This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 272. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined this afternoon by Mr. Jacob Paulson. Howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I know it's going to be a good one. Today is our complete home defense podcast with Q&A. We've got a bunch of live viewers here on Facebook, and uh, this is a great opportunity for those that are joining us live on Facebook to uh, interact and ask them some questions. But we'll be talking about and giving you kind of a rundown or a uh, summarized overview of what what we mean when we say complete home defense in this video training course that uh, we recently launched. Tell us a little bit about it, Jacob. Yep. So available for sale as of yesterday, complete home defense is a video course available to be viewed, streamed uh, live online, or you can order it via DVD. Um, if you buy it right now, obviously there's all sorts of incentives and deals and reasons why you should purchase it right now when we're kind of in launch mode. Uh, the bad news of buying it when we're in launch mode is that the DVDs probably won't ship for a few weeks, uh, but we we are on it, and uh, you can see the current version of the course live online, and you'll have permitted access as we finalize it and get all the DVDs done and shipped out and awesome sauce. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yes. So uh, available now, concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. Yes, as Jacob explained, uh, the DVDs are not, they, they won't be quite shipped yet. It'll be a few weeks at least uh, till they're shipped, but they will get to you. They'll get to you as quick as we can get them to you. Uh, and the streaming version of the course will be available in short order. Uh, we're within probably days at this point of that being available. Uh, so you might, some of you might be wondering, well, wh- why launch it if, uh, if it's not yet quite there in the post-production side of things and it's because well the, the timing was right to uh to launch <laughs> we didn't want to push this too close to uh thanksgiving so yeah that's that's what it comes down to and part of the reason by the way guys is because we have really exciting stuff coming up coming your way for thanksgiving with our annual black friday sale available to guardian nation members only sorry if you're not a gn member it's a good time to look into that uh, you can join anytime before that Black Friday sale or even during the sale uh, and 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 participate in that sale. So but you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna consider joining if you aren't already, because I'll tell you there'll be a number of things that you will want to have. There'll be tools, uh, gear, accessories, whatever, that you're gonna want to put to use as a gun owner, as a shooter, as a self-defense minded individual that are gonna be like 75 plus percent off. But uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there because that's in that's in a couple of weeks. Right now, we're focused on home defense, and also as part of this launch, we have a special event coming up with Andrew Branca. We are doing on Monday evening this coming Monday. What is that, Jacob? That's this. That's the twelfth. I, I don't have the calendar like right in front of me here. Oh wait, it's yes, it's it the twelfth. I'm right. Yeah, yep. Monday the twelfth, six p.m. 6 Mountain. So. Yeah, yeah, eight Eastern, seven Central, six Mountain, five Pacific. That's going to be really good because if you follow Branka's stuff at all, you know that he kind of has this five elements of self-defense kind of framework that he preaches. And while, of course, that's you know, mostly true across all states, the idea of highly defensible property, when you can defend stuff, not people, but stuff like your home, like your car, like your detached garage, 
that actually varies a lot more from state to state than does traditional self-defense law. So he's going to get in the weeds. It's going to be sweet. And he's going to take questions. Yep. That's right. It's going to be an awesome uh, uh, seminar or webinar or whatever you want to call it together with Mr. Branca. And uh, so that'll be, we'll, we'll go live with that at 6 p.m. on Monday, November 12th. And that'll last a good hour, hour and a half or so, you think, Jacob? An hour, I'd say. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll have a limited window of time, you know, so get, get your questions in. I, I told you, uh, and some of you have already started sending in some questions, but you have a couple of days here and, and a couple, by the way, a couple of days still to get registered and you want to make sure you get registered before it's filled up. I, I just checked, Jacob, we're, we're about halfway to our quota as far as like what Zoom allows us to have registered to attend. So uh, folks, it's, it's filling up, it's filling up fast. You have a couple of days to get registered. And you have a couple of days to submit questions to us for that Q&A. Uh, of course, you can ask questions live during the show, but it'll be really helpful to us if you send stuff to us ahead of time. You can send that to us at podcast at concealedcarry.com. And um, yeah, go get registered right now for that home defense webinar. Well, highly defensible property, but it's you know home defense type stuff webinar with Andrew Branca and Jacob and myself. And that would be at concealedcarry.com forward slash HD, as in home defense, HD legal defense, or excuse me, HD legal webinar. All right, so concealedcarry.com forward slash HD legal webinar. All right. So with that, Jacob, let's uh, let's get into the meat of it here. So Game on. complete home defense. Where do we even where where do we even start, buddy? Yeah, so those who are live with us, I'd encourage you to type in any questions you have about home defense, whatever it might be, and we will start taking those questions. I do have a couple here that came in via email. Yeah. Uh, people who, I guess, couldn't attend or whatever. So here's the first one. Uh, this person says, when dry firing and training, I'm a little OCD about ensuring the chamber is empty or that I have my airsoft in my hand and not my G19. I like having the red slide on the cert pistol for extra confidence of what I am holding. Any advice on extra assurance that the thing in my hand is what I expect it to be and that I am not about to make a mistake. That's an interesting question. Yeah. So I think the short answer is it sounds like you're already on top of this and you're doing a good job. Uh, Here's one thing that I would consider, and that that would be uh, creating very specific environments for live guns and ammo and not live guns and, and not live ammo, right? So for example, if I load and maintain and prep and clean my guns, in a very specific room of the house. And I also am doing my dry fire in that same room. I think that we open up a lot more of a can of worms. So one other piece of advice for you would be to have very specific environments for certain things. So I always load, handle, maintain, clean, unload my guns in this one spot in this room facing this direction on this table or whatever it might be. And and that's that's a sacred place for that purpose. And I don't do other things there. I don't do dry fire training there. I do it elsewhere. So that's one, that's one consideration. The other one I was thinking about is gold uh, barrel block, Riley. Yeah. Well, yeah. So barrel block is just a nice uh, accessory to uh, utilize. That'll help. <clears throat> I mean, here, here's the cool thing about barrel block, right? <clears throat> if you're going to do an extended dry fire practice, especially, it makes a lot of sense to drop that barrel block. It goes in through the chamber of the gun. Uh, it, it puts a rod all the way through. You know, it's a plastic rod, right? So it goes all the way through the barrel. And then it's got a kind of cartridge shaped end of it that's going to fit nice and, you know, not not too tightly, but it'll fit nice and tight inside the chamber. So while you're doing that dry fire session, you 
cannot mess up, you know, as far as accidentally chambering a live round uh, or, or have some sort of negligent discharge while you're doing that dry fire session. So barrel block is a really, really great tool. Of course, uh, Jacob and I have been longtime advocates and fans and users of products like uh, Next Level Training's uh, Sir Pistol. And uh, yeah, so I, I appreciate what you said, Jacob, as far as having kind of a sacred area. For yeah, Jacob's holding up the uh, barrel block right out of the camera, so you folks uh, that are viewing this can actually see that. So um, yeah, now Jacob, which uh, I'm actually just digging through things here. Which uh, what was the first name of the individual that uh, shared that question? So um, I, Brian M. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see you here. Yep, Brian M. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Here's another one that's really a lot more specific to home defense, Riley. Uh, this is from a live viewer on Facebook, uh, Jacobo. Shotgun or AR-15, which one is better for home defense? Um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those questions where it's like, it, it, it kind of depends, right? Like, Let's talk about the limitations of each of these platforms. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're really talking about apples and oranges uh, when we talk about shotgun versus AR-15. You know, two, two totally different platforms, different different ways that they're used. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about, uh, so what are, what is a pro of a shotgun? Well, it's a shotgun, right? Like it's going to, it's going to get the job done pretty effectively in most cases. It's a lot of power, a lot of energy transfer to target. Yeah. Uh, if you're using particularly like a double lot or a number four buckshot or something like that, like, and which is what I would recommend. I, I, I'm not, really an advocate of using anything lighter than number four buckshot. Just because if you just look at pure ballistic gelatin testing with different shot from shotguns, you'll what you'll see from the birdshot loads is that they really only penetrate a couple of inches at the most. And that may not be enough to really get an effective stop on an attacker. Now, it may very well psychologically stop them. But, uh, you know, when we're dealing with number four buckshot, I think I believe number four is like 22 caliber pellets. There's 27 of them in a standard uh, defense load. And in the case of double op buck, it's eight or it's usually nine pellets in most loads these days uh, that are 32 caliber. Imagine getting slammed with nine rounds of 32 caliber ammunition all at the same time in a space that's probably four to five inches, you know, big in center chest you're not you're not surviving that right yeah. so so shotgun obviously the big pro is it, it it is if there is such a thing as a one shot man stopper provided you do your part in, in in aiming it correctly that's the shotgun right uh almost everything else there is always that possibility that even if you shoot them in the center of the chest they could still continue fighting but you shoot somebody in the center of the chest with a shotgun it's game over it's lights out they're done Pretty much, yeah. right? And it's interesting to see the ballistics testing you just did this week. That's uh, in the course. You went out to the range. You spent hours setting up, you know, drywall walls and shooting through it with various guns. And talk a little bit about shotgun as it relates to penetration. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's talk about penetration of anything, right? Any any projectile that is substantial at all. So anything I would say twenty two caliber and bigger is going to penetrate through walls without any issue at all, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the key here is we did, we did do some testing, right? So, and that's, this is in the video course. Uh, and that's actually, that was a big surprise to me. We have about an hour of content 
just dedicated to testing different loads, penetration and stuff. And one thing we did that I've never seen anybody else do, I've never seen anything on YouTube or anything. I'm sure it's not the first time it's been done, but I thought, Jacob, we've got to test penetration of of uh, projectiles through walls when they're at an angle, right? Because we're not always shooting walls straight on. And we might not even necessarily have walls beyond those walls that are, you know, so like typically it's rare that we're going to have like wall, 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 all perpendicular to you. Right. And so we, we, we did test that, but we also tested with walls being placed at, at different angles, kind of simulating like if, if you were to miss a t- your target and you ended up shooting through the wall, like kind of the corner of a room. And so we really wanted to see what would happen when we did that. And, you know, honestly, what at the end of the day, it comes down to bullets still penetrate very easily through that stuff. But it's interesting to see what happens with the deviation of the path that the bullets will take when you start changing some of those variables a little bit, right? But back to the shotgun, buckshot, number four shot, anything like that uh, is going to go through too many walls for you to ever think that, that, that there's a chance that what you're firing is going to get stopped by just standard residential walls. So, but it's the same as true as if you miss with a nine millimeter or if you miss with a, a uh, rifle or if you miss with uh 22, even they're, they're going to go through it's gonna go. Yeah. a bunch of walls. Right. So the, the big lesson to, in, or takeaway is don't miss targets inside yeah. the home. Right. Well, I think the other thing is a couple of like common shotgun things we hear all the time, and then we can go talk about the carbine too. Uh, but we hear all the time this idea of, well, with the shotgun, you don't have to aim as much. You know, it might be dark. You just point it in the general direction of the of the BG and you just pull the trigger and you're good to go. And uh, the, the testing that, that was done for the purposes of this course and the videos in the course makes it really clear that that's not the case. I mean, e- even at 20, 30 feet, you're talking about a spread that was still not well, bigger than a human sized target even at 40 feet we're we're yeah. if we're really well centered on the torso of the individual we're probably really not even missing them at that point uh so at 40 feet we had a pattern of like 18 inches now okay so we might miss one or two pellets but nobody's going to have a shot inside a house that's greater than 40 feet Right. Yeah, so, so, so something to keep in mind, you have to aim you know, of course, with the shotgun. Absolutely do. Yeah. So, uh, and that, that, that's a big one. Cause you do hear that thrown about sometimes. Well, you know, I just use shotgun and I just point in their direction and pull the trigger. Well, it's, you still got to aim, you know, yeah, if, if they're a bird, you know, 30, 40 yards in the sky flying that that's, you know, that, that's, that's a good strategy. Well, even then, you know, like, you still gotta aim. You, you take people to a, like a shooting clays course and stuff, and if they've never done it before, they're they're missing left and right. You know, it, it, there's it's an art to learning how to, especially at a moving target, to aim and accurately hit targets like that. So anyway, um, let's talk about one other shotgun thing, Riley. Yeah, and that would be because someone mentioned it here in our in our live feed, the sound. Right, I get to grab my shotgun. I get to go, <laughs> right. you know, and boom, like for sure, that's a fact. So, I, I, a couple of thoughts, and I'm interested to hear your opinion too. But do I think that the sound of loading a shotgun is a potential deterrent to a home invader? Yep, sure. Do I want to be dependent on that sound getting the job done on its own of you know eliminating my home intruder? Nope. 
the other the other thing to consider is if I'm going to do that, I'm either losing a round out of the chamber or I'm not staging the gun with a round in the chamber. And we already have a capacity challenge when it comes to the shotgun, right, Riley? Right, right. Uh, many standard shotguns might have five-shot tubes. Many home defense-oriented ones will have like eight-shot tubes uh, you know, on them. Now, I don't generally... Uh, unless it was a special purpose, like if I had a, a safe that's dedicated that was intended for quick access, uh, you know, in a bedroom or something, uh, that would be maybe one exception where I might have a shotgun staged with a round and chamber, but safety on. But most of the time, I've, if I have a shotgun staged, it's it's not necessarily chambered. Um, I don't know. I just, that's probably, that's just the way I operate. I mean, any, any law enforcement officer that's cr- riding around in his cruiser with a shotgun, he, he doesn't run around with it being chambered or anything like that. But, uh, as far as like, I guess I have no problem, uh, in a lot of contexts with, uh, I mean, once I'm going to be racking that sucker, like I've, I've probably already identified a threat or I, or I'm aware that there's, there's something going down and I'm about to pull that trigger. So, um, I, uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with, you know, choo-choo, you know, but but it's not like that's the intent is that I'm trying to use as a deterrent. Like, I think that's a really poor plan. Uh, it may work, and I'm sure it has happened in, in a number of instances where a uh, home intruder hears choo-choo, and they go, oh, I'm going to get out of here now. But, like, that shouldn't be the intent, right? So, um, you know, have that gun, well, uh, gun ready to go, and then and then when the time comes to use it, we'll use it. Use it in the way it's intended to be used. You either have a threat or you don't, right? So e- even in the context of home defense scenario, even though it might be a little bit different rule set as opposed to being out in the street, like I, I'm not really big on trying to use you know as a warning. Yeah, and and I believe that there's a lot of potential auditory you know deterrence that we can use. Most of them, I think, come out of your mouth. You know, so a person can stand there and say, well, using the cha-chink, you know, it's going to work. And you can download an app on your phone that makes the shotgun sound. You know, <laughs> that's, that's really what you want to do. Um, but I can also stand there with something that's not a shotgun and I can say, hey, I'm armed. You know, don't come up here or, you know, yeah. stay away or get out or cops are, you know, so there's just a, a myriad of things. So I think, I think the main message for me on that one would just be, yeah. Um, if you're, if that is your plan, if your entire home defense strategy is I'm going to rack a shotgun and they're going to hear it and that's going to scare them away, that's not a very comprehensive yep. plan. Now let's cover a couple other quick questions about shotguns that are, that are that are coming in. And I'll try to address these really fast, Jacob, and then we probably ought to move on because we got a lot of other yeah. stuff, stuff stuff to talk about. Uh, Kimber's asking, how about a 20 gauge shotgun? You know, a 20 gauge shotgun is also a very effective weapon. Uh, so sometimes this is recommended because, well, it's a little bit lighter recoil. It's a little bit more manageable. Uh, and it's still going to be very, very effective when you do your part as a, as an effective marksman. So I have no qualms about a 20. Uh, I also think that you, you, most people will probably be surprised. Like Kimber, I think is saying that, uh, uh, she's got salespeople, you know, saying, Hey, you know, you're a petite, petite young lady or whatever. And, and so, you know, this 20 gauge would be a lot easier for you to shoot. Well, my 12 year old son, this, this summer, this year was uh, shooting three gun with a 12 gauge, full size 12 gauge. He's, he is, he doesn't even weigh 90 pounds wet. And, uh, I mean, it's, yes, it's a big gun even for him, but he, he's, he's shooting it. Okay. So the, the point is, is like, you can learn to use, any type of weapon, if you just apply the right technique to using it, 
but a 20 gauge is going to be a little bit easier to use, a little bit less recoil, and it's still going to be effective. All right, so there's that question. And then Mark asks, what about a red dot sight on a home defense shotgun? Why not? Yeah, yeah. the like, answer is, if, it, if, a, if it's a gun dedicated for home defense, then why not put all things on it that would help me in any potential situation? Because there's no reason not to have it. It's not like, well, it doesn't fit my holster. I'm yeah. not putting a home defense shotgun in a holster, right? So that's the answer with any things like this. We can talk about lights too, you know, weapon-mounted lights. And uh, there are situations where weapon-mounted lights are appropriate and situations where they're not, but there's no harm in having it on there. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's like, what what do you prefer? I, I, I'm cool with a bead sight on a shotgun. Uh, I'm cool with a red dot. In fact, uh, I have a red dot up on my shelf here that was on my shotgun, and I took it off because I was trying to do some testing without a red dot. And I'm going to probably throw it back on because, well, why not? Uh, I do. I definitely think that if we have shotguns or rifles intended for home defense, uh, that they should have, by default, a light mounted on them. Uh, because they should, right? Like you, you might be in a low light situation. And it's a little bit different than with a pistol, right? If I, if I got a pistol, a handgun in my hand, even if I have a weapon mounted light on the on that gun, I, I still have the option, or even if I don't, I have the option either way to, to use that one-handed with a, a handheld light in the other hand or to use it that gun two-handed. But with rifles and shotguns, you're really kind of limited to having to use the two hands to, to run that. So you really need to have a light on that gun uh, for target and threat identification when it comes time to actually pull the trigger, right? Now, there are some techniques to be able to handhold a light and, and still run a rifle or shotgun, but it's a lot more clunky than if you just have a light on the platform. So if it were me, you know, and I, and I grabbed a, a handheld flashlight and then I'm grabbing the shotgun or the AR or something, and I'm searching initially, you know, looking for trying to identify a threat or just seeing whatever is going on in the house with the handheld light. But then suddenly something goes down. Well, I'm dropping that light and I'm switching over to to the light that's on the weapon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Let's uh, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about. Someone said, "What about what about the AR-15?" So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in in the course we kind of talk about. When we talk about carbines, we talk about full-size carbines, you know, 5.56, AR-15, you know, variant style things. We talk about AR pistols as another viable and I'd say kind of upcoming popular uh, idea for home defense. And we talk about uh, PCCs, pistol caliber carbines, uh, as well in the course. So um, first and foremost, I'll just throw out the things that we've already said that are also true, right? We're also talking about a rifle, so it makes sense to have all the mounted awesome sauce. Someone on Facebook made the comment, mounted flashlight and laser. Yeah, like I got no problem with lasers. Uh, it's kind of similar to the Shishink thing in my mind where it's like, well, if you're dependent on the laser to hit targets, we have a problem. But as a tool, it, it has a certain application and that's fine. Um, so on, your, on our carbine, it also makes sense to mount all the goodies. But what other thoughts would you have specific about the carbine and home defense, Riley? I love I love ARs. AR is like my my baby. It's the golden goose. It's like, you know, it's that special shiny object that I want to hold in bed at night, you know. And <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think the AR is just such an amazing platform because it's so versatile. Uh, it is so modular. It's, it's adaptable. It's easy to shoot. You know, uh, a, a small person can shoot an AR. A you know bigger, stronger person can shoot an AR. Uh, it's just there's just so many good things about an AR-15 style uh, rifle. 
AK-47, similar thing, okay? They're a little different, right? There's some other, they're less modular, they're less adaptable. Uh, they probably have, a, you know, they have a little more recoil. They're still very manageable. But the AR is like America's darling uh, as far as carbine rifles and home defense rifles are concerned. And it's for good reason because they are effective. Uh, contrary to what, you know, many, you know, our granddaddies and uncles and, and, and brothers and whoever, you know, that might have spent some time over in Vietnam, uh, they got introduced to that platform in less than ideal conditions with less than ideal ammunition with a platform that wasn't quite yet ready for the big stage probably and, and, and had some kinks to be worked out. But where we are today with, with this 50-year-old platform is that it's freaking amazing. And uh, if you're concerned about stopping power from an AR, trust me, it's it. there's enough stopping power. If you do your part and you hit the intended target, just like you got to do with any other weapon that you might use. So the power is there. You know, obviously, rate of fire is, is a positive thing. Um, the uh, ammo capacity. Capacity, right? Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, probably for most contexts, even in a home defense scenario, 30 rounds is more than enough. Uh, but, uh, you know, some, some people will say, why do you need all those rounds? Why do you need this high, high, so-called high-powered uh, military-grade weapon? And it's like, well, why wouldn't I want the best, most effective? Like when my life is in the balance, when my family's lives are, you know, at, at play, in play, uh, why wouldn't I want the most effective thing that I can have personally to defend myself, my family with, especially in the context of my home? Like, why not? Yep. Um, an AR is, is one that I definitely would like to go to. It's not something I have. It's not something that's probably as readily available as say like my handguns would be a lot of times. But if I had the choice, that's one I would definitely consider grabbing. Well, and we had to remember, and this is where the kind of the more guns is better or different guns for different situation conversation has to kind of address this whole topic of which gun, because a lot of times we, all of our in our mind, when we think home defense, a lot of attention is given to bump in night scenarios, right? Wake up in bed. And if you wake up in bed and you can you can stage virtually any gun you want securely or not securely if that's your thing uh, near your bed. So great. But but home defense is much more than bumping the night stuff. Home defense is also answering the door and someone pushing their way in. Home defense is uh, glass breaks and you're vegging on the couch watching TV. And and so I think we got to think more broadly about, you know, in those situations if I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and I hear glass breaking, I don't pull an AR15 out of my pants. That's not a thing. And I don't keep an AR-15 staged next to the couch either. Uh, maybe you do, but but I don't. And so I'm going to go to the gun that's best for that situation that I have nearest to me, which which is going to be the handgun because that's what I have on me all the time. And then from there, I'm going to go deal with the situation if, if needed. If it, if it ends up playing out such that I need to retreat to a safe room, maybe in the safe room I have staged a firearm that I think is more effective for barricading and and you know dealing with somebody coming through a choke point, but anyway, I just think we got to think more broadly about home defense than just bump in night, wake up, grab thing that you right. you stage near bed. Of course, of course. Yeah. Tom asks, "What about a mini fourteen? Well, uh, ah. what about it? Right? Yeah, Ruger. They're, they're, awesome they're cool guns. Uh, I had one once upon a time, and uh, actually, I, I owned a mini fourteen before I owned an AR fifteen, and that was because like I, I I've always had this this love for 
the M1 Grand platform. I love M1s. And uh, the Mini 14 is a miniaturized M1 Grand action. And I was like, that's cool. I want one of those, right? Well, why did I why did I sell it? Why did I trade it in for an AR-15? Well, because the AR-15 is more adaptable, just like I talked about a minute ago. Uh, they're easier to shoot. AR, AR-15s have less perceived recoil than a Mini 14. Uh, they are a lot easier to mount accessories to, including optics. And that's a big one, right? Mini 14s are, yes, there's some adapters and things, but they're not as ideal. So basically comes down to modularity and adaptability and accessorizing and all that stuff. Uh, the AR is just, in my opinion, it's just a much better platform and oftentimes is actually cheaper, uh, especially. Yeah, that's with- what I was going to say. Is it's, it's, it's no longer a situation where, you know, you, you you have to decide if you're willing to spend enough to get the AR. It's like the ARs are so inexpensive to build or buy now. Yep. Uh, I just think that's the, that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. And yeah. then Anita asks, what about hollow point two twenty threes? Uh Seems like a waste to me. So standard FMJ, like 55 grain or 62 grain, they generally, because a lot of times, you know, they're going to hit a rib or so, a bone or something or, or a, a harder, organ in the body, you know, and that's going to cause that bullet to yaw or, you know, start to kind of turn or keyhole type type stuff. And uh, then it starts just disintegrating and, and tearing stuff up, right? So like standard FMJ in 223 usually does pretty well. Uh, most other larger calibers that are FMJ loads won't, won't do what a 223 will do. Um, but ho- there are good quality hollow point loads. So there's some stuff from Hornady, uh, their tap ammunition, some of the stuff that's really geared towards law enforcement and SWAT, uh, use, uh, is, is really good stuff. You know, it's a lot more expensive, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of what, what I think you like and what you prefer, Anita. Russ is asking, uh, Jacob about what about pistol caliber carbines, low recoil, oh, wow. longer barrel for higher velocity, better control, longer sight picture over penetration issue along with a, not with not a large enough caliber. Yeah. So it's, it's been hot on my mind lately. It's like I picked up a new PCC this week uh, yeah. from Palmetto State Armory and I haven't fired it yet, but uh, I'm pretty excited. So I think there's a lot of advantages to pistol caliber carbines. Uh, I mean, certainly probably the biggest one for me in a home defense situation, especially if I'm going, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Glock guy, if I'm running a Glock platform handgun and I have a pistol caliber carbine that also takes Glock mags, then there is a certain amount of awesome sauce from in my world relating to all my, all my mags work in both guns, right? I can take that mag, shove it right into my handgun and go. I can grab that mag, shove it right into my PCC and go. So I do think that that's, that's one thing to consider, but that means that your PCC is running the same mags as your handgun. And that's obviously not that simple depending on what you run as your handgun uh, platform. Uh, you obviously get higher, uh, uh, velocity when you're shooting a 9mm or whatever handgun load out of a PCC. So there, there's something to be said about that. As far as penetration, though, if, like, if we're comparing the PCC to like the AR-15 and 223, that's a little bit different of a conversation versus, well, I'm going to go shoot 9mm in my home defense no matter what. So do I use a handgun or do I use a PCC? And so if, if the conversation is handgun versus PCC, to me, the same arguments apply when we talk about handgun versus our AR-15. If the argument is, well, what should we use, the PCC, pistol caliber carping, or the 223 or 556, that's a different kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> good good points there, you know. And so let's let's actually talk, let's kind of start doing a little bit of crossover into some of the handgun type stuff uh, as far as like why might you choose a handgun versus a PCC or a AR or a shotgun, right? 
Um, so a couple of things that come to my mind are that uh, with a handgun, you're, it's a lot, I mean, the handgun is universal in that it's easy, easy to carry around, easy to use, easy to stage, easy to grab, easy to go, right? Easy to maneuver with. When we start talking about whether it's a PCC, even if it's a relatively short platform, even if it's an AR pistol, even if it's a relatively short shotgun, even if it's a pistol grip shotgun, uh, all those things are a lot larger, bulkier, heavier, more unwieldy, and less maneuverable uh, in a house than just having a handgun, right? So that's one thing that we also got to be thinking about is that, and, and it might depend too on not just like the actual maneuvering in the house, but also what you, what you're doing. Like imagine you have a break in or something's going on and you're trying to grab a child from, you know, you have a, a, a children's bedroom that's next to your, to your bedroom and you want to grab them and get them barricaded, barricaded in with you or your spouse or something. Well, it's a lot easier to have that handgun at the ready and Meanwhile, you have, you have a free hand to do whatever you got to do, open doors, grab a child, you know, get them uh, escorted away, whatever it is, If you're than if you're trying to manage a longer platform that's, you know, less balanced and, and, and larger and heavier, right? So yeah. so those are some other things. Uh, handguns do have their place, yeah. Right? Yeah, so handguns definitely have a lot of advantages. Uh, frankly, I think for most home defense situations, a handgun is adequate for just about anything that you can imagine. Um, I mean, yes, we could talk about stopping power and yes, you could get more theoretical stopping power in a shotgun or a rifle or even a PCC than you would with a handgun. But can you get the job done with a handgun? Yeah, you can get the job done in, in most contexts. Um, I did want to also respond to... So, good question here from Ellen. I bet yes. you that's when you're thinking. That's, of, I was scrolling up. There it is. Go. Ellen says, "Do you think it is best to just choose one firearm for everything, concealed carry, home defense, etc.? Since we practice and gain muscle memory, having several firearms might increase initially confusion as to what gun is in my hand. What are your thoughts?" So, uh, Alan, this is actually a really interesting thought because it, it it's funny because as an industry, we speak out of both sides of our mouth on this. On one side of uh, one side of our mouth, we're like muscle memory, everything right? Like train that a million times, always the same way. So that it's just this perfect. But then at the other side of our, of our mouth, we'll say things like, well, a gun's a gun. You know, you should have a skill set such that you can just pick up any gun and shoot it. Um, so a, a couple things come to my mind. My first, my, my initial just straight up answer to the question is no, I'm, I don't think it's wise to just have one gun for everything, primarily because you're not going to then have a gun that is well suited for each situation. Uh, I, I feel very strongly about that. My concealed carry gun or guns that I carry often can still carry, I don't think any of them are the best gun I own for home defense, even if we're just talking handguns only. That's just not, it's just not true. Uh, but I do think that there are some little nuances that are worth noting. It's like, for example, if I use a striker fire gun as my, as my daily carry gun, but I'm using a double action, you know, DASA gun as my home defense gun, or if I carry guns, uh, my daily carry guns have uh, safeties and I'm used to working on a safety, but my home defense gun doesn't have a safety. Right? So there are some things I think are, are worth talking about in terms of having some consistency, but I, I broadly speaking think that you've got to have the gun that's most adequate or appropriate for the context. That's where I'm at, Riley. What do you think? Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I'm sorry. I'm actually going to, so I'm going to address Ellen's question fairly quickly and I'm going to get to another one here. So 
my thought on this, Alan, is uh, I don't. I, I can't think of a time where I've picked up something and was confused about what was in my hands. I don't know. Like that's a really interesting thing to consider. I think the more you shoot, the more you develop those shooting and, and firearm, firearm manipulation skills, uh, the better all around you will be at you know being able to pick up different things and use them effectively. Um, I, I think you should be familiar with everything that you own, like intimately familiar. If you own a revolver, well then shoot that revolver a lot and get really familiar with with exactly how it operates, how it's how it's used, how it feels, how it shoots, how it reloads, all that stuff, right? If you have a semi-automatic handgun, a striker fired or whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, whatever it is, like use it, get very familiar with it. Uh, you have an AR, get really familiar with that. I mean, what, what, what we want to achieve is with any of these guns that we have or that we might use, we want the handling of those guns to be as subconscious and as automatic as possible. Like for instance, I've shot an AR-15 for years and years now. I love the platform. I uh, I compete with it regularly. I mean, I shoot thousands and thousands of rounds through an AR-15. I don't have to think about mag release, bolt catch, uh, where the magazine goes, the safety, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's all basically automatically programmed uh, into my muscle memory. So I, I would just say that. Uh, if you have multiple guns, then be familiar with all of them to the best of your ability. If you're really strong with one gun, well, then make that your one gun that you carry and that you use for home defense. Um, I did Before wanna... you answer your next question, Riley, I'm going inter- to interrupt for a shameless plug here. Yep. So just, just a reminder, everyone, right now we're in launch mode. We are launching our new product, Complete Home Defense. It is about eight plus hours of video edited, cleaned up high def video uh, of Riley and I and other members of our team teaching home defense tactics. It's mostly um, done, you know, in a, in a dry, you know, kind of simulated environment, but there is some live fire demos that are done for the sake sake of teaching ballistics and penetration. Go check it out. Not just because it's awesome, but because right now the bonuses that come with this thing are really worth it. So go to concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense and you'll get all the details. But if you buy this before November 14th, which is the last day of our launch, uh, I guess on November 14th you can buy, but but uh, if you if you go to buy this on November 15th, you're going to miss out. I'll give you just a couple of these bonuses real quick because I think this is huge. <laughs> right now during the launch, if you buy, you will get for free Andrew Branca, attorney Andrew Branca's course, Highly Defensible Pro- Property. This is a course he's not yet released. It's in production right now. And when it's done... We will send it for free to everybody who bought Complete Home Defense, our product, during this launch. It's going to be a $100 product because all of his products are $100. So that's a $100 value if you'll just go buy Complete Home Defense uh, right now this week. We also have some other cool things. We're going to be doing two other live Q&A calls that we'll be inviting everybody to who buys the course during launch. The Renter's Guide is an ebook that is included for free. Um, you get a 10% off coupon to libertyhomeconcealment.com, which is sweet, awesome sauce stuff. Go to libertyhomeconcealment.com and you'll see how amazing that is. And, and it's it's very well priced, guys. For 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 a, a course that's eight hours long that can't be fit on one or two DVDs, we have to put it on three DVDs to get it to you, uh, it's a pretty dang good price. The online-only product is a little under $40 if you want the DVD then it's going to be a little under $60. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense 
and purchase that today. If you're listening to this and for whatever reason you missed the launch, it's past November 14th, 2018. I still encourage you to go check it. The price isn't going to change. You just aren't going to get any of the bonuses if you yeah. buy after the launch. The bonuses are awesome. I mean, yeah, take advantage of that now. Once again, you can find all this at concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. And uh, I'll make one more call out since we're on the topic of making plugs. Uh, uh, as far as uh, join us for the Monday, uh, November 12th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, highly defensible property slash home defense uh, webinar, Q&A, whatever with Andrew Branca. Get registered, get signed up right now. Concealedcarry.com forward slash HD legal webinar. <clears throat> All right, a couple more questions. I think we, we ha- you have just a couple more minutes, right, Jacob? Yep, just a few. Who knows? Um, well, let's see. Yeah, well, we just have a couple more things here. Okay, so uh, James asked, what did you think about 357? Well, about the same that I think about a 9mm or 380 or 45 even. You know what? So they're all basically effective calibers. Uh, the question I would ask you is, do you need a 357? That's the question I would ask. And if you want to know my answer, I'd say you don't need a 357. But is it a very effective round for a handgun? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it'll get the job done. But I, I feel like I'm just as just as well equipped with a with a nine millimeter, to be honest with you. So uh, I know we could get this grand old debate about well, it's so much faster and more powerful. But uh, I was actually reading a paper recently that that showed Jacob, uh, or it was actually written by a, a surgeon who has seen hundreds or thousands of uh, gunshot wounds that have come through his ER, and uh, whether it's a nine, a 40, a 45, 357, like a lot of times I can't even tell because we're talking about pistol bullets that just aren't that impressive when we compare those to say like rifle rounds, which are a whole different, you know, it's apples and oranges. And yeah. and if a surgeon can't tell the the damage that's, you know, that was caused by a 357 versus a nine millimeter, then, you know, I think that's pretty telling. Here's how I always answer this question. I always say, listen, if you're on the street and you're going to get hit by a car, which would you rather get hit by? Okay. Would you rather get hit by the Subaru Legacy or the Subaru Outback? Hmm. Outback. It's a little bit the smaller. Correct, the correct answer is they're both <laughs> going to really freaking hurt, right? And and then it's like, well, yeah, but I'll, I, I shoot the Bush Killer 5, you know, the, the, the AR-15 or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, then, then I, I guess then we're talking about would you rather get hit by a car or a truck? They're both <laughs> going to really freaking hurt. Right? They're both going to really hurt. And so when we talk about that incremental difference in well, power, would you rather get shot with a nine or a twenty-two long rifle? Oh, that's a motorcycle. So the twenty-two is the motorcycle, and I'd I'd rather oh, get hit okay. by the motorcycle okay. for sure. All right, <laughs> but that's my point. It's like you're still going to get hit with something that's going to do some damage. Yeah, you know. And so when we're talking about effectiveness, the variance, like the the difference we're talking about, is is much less than sometimes we make it out to be. Yeah. Uh, one other, one other thing I want to address real quick, and then we'll we'll start uh, wrapping it up. Uh, Tom uh, commented, "Bond arms in four ten, and I will say this, Tom, and I don't normally like get this direct and like mean about it, but I have shot the Bond arms, Derringer, you know, double barreled, whatever you call them, uh, in four ten, and they they suck. Okay, <laughs> I think they literally suck. I think they suck to shoot, and you have two shots." And I, yeah, like I, I don't get the the concept. All right, that's all I have to say about that. Sorry, but if you like that, like knock yourself out, man. But uh, I think there's other. I think there's just so many other way better choices 
to use than a two-shot Derringer in 410 shot shell. Well, um, yep. Oh, I got okay. a rule. I will leave you to it, Riley. I know there's more Q and A, a few more questions that might be coming yeah. in or things you want to discuss. I'm going to roll. I will see everybody on Monday at 6 p.m. in the Highly Defensible Property webinar with Andrew Branca. Make sure you get registered for that. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to attend. It's live Q&A with the foremost attorney on planet Earth related to self-defense law in, in the United States of America. So be there, be square. Thanks, Riley. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you later. So something I was kind of wondering about is if uh, maybe I should just go on for a few more minutes and uh, take a few more questions. And also, because there's one other thing I want to share that I think is is really, uh, it's kind of a core piece of this complete home defense course that we filmed. And uh, so I'll, I'll actually go there now. All right. So what this is, is we call it the five fundamentals of home defense. And now to be clear, these are not necessarily meant to be a, a list in numerical order. I mean, we ha- we kind of listed it, you know, as one, two, three, four, five, but it's not necessarily meant like you have to follow all these steps in this order uh, to do things successfully. It's, I would say in an ideal scenario, it would go in this order, but we have to realize that a lot of times things can escalate very quickly. So sometimes we may skip or jump over steps. And so that's, that's probably the, the better thing to say is that these are, I don't see these as necessarily being steps, just principles that, uh, where it makes sense and where it's ideal, we would follow all of these, but sometimes you may have to jump from one to, you know, number five, for instance. Okay. So, or number four. So let me explain what, uh, what these are. So the five principles or five fundamentals of home defense are number one, first and foremost, be armed. So have a gun on you or near you. And, and honestly, my first preference would be to have to, to actually, even if you're at home, I mean, I'm, I work from home. This is, this is my home office. This is where I do all the podcasting from. Uh, this is my domain. I could be totally comfortable, laid back, you know, just kick back and, and, and not have a gun on me, but I do every day because I believe in this stuff. I believe and I feel like I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't. I wear a gun every day, uh, even when it's not convenient. And that, that's that's the kind of commitment that I think we should sign up for, but probably many of us do not. And that's okay. I'm not going to judge you for that, but I'm going to say that there are so many situations. You, you know, listeners, those of you who've been listening a long time, we cover so many stories on the podcast about uh, a lot of home defense situations included where they would be so much better off or they would have solved the problem so much easier and more quickly if they just had a gun on their person, right? And that gun is ready, ready for use. Meaning I don't advocate carrying without one in the chamber, you know, that sort of thing. Have a good quality holster that the gun goes in and you put it on your body somewhere. All right. Now that said, do I, do I truly honestly carry 100% of the time every waking moment on my person when, especially when I'm here chilling at home? No, that would not be a fair thing to say, but I would say it's probably 98% of the time or really close to that. Uh, But there are other times where if it's not on my person at that particular moment, I have something near at hand that I can get to very quickly that I know how to get to. I know how to access quickly. And it's something I've also rehearsed. Um, also 
sometimes I'll have like in my office here, I'll sometimes have a little AR staged here next to the desk. Uh, and and in, in those cases, I might not necessarily always have the gun on my person, uh, but quite often, even then I do, I'll have a gun, a handgun on me and I'll have that, that AR ready to roll, or I might have it staged over in a safe over here. So anyway, the number one thing is, and this is definitely, I think a step that should not be skipped, right? Like this is something that has to, has to happen. And that is to be armed, to make sure that you have on your person, or nearby, near at hand, quickly ready to access some sort of firearm that you can use for defense, okay? And then staged ready for that purpose. By staged, if we have a gun in a quick access safe, then that means that gun is loaded. I, I you know, my staged guns, particularly the handguns in, in my little quick access safes that I use that I have mounted in very place, various places throughout the home, those are loaded, chambered, ready for action, right? Have it staged, have it ready to go. Yeah, you could talk about staging it and having it not chambered and where you would grab it and you'd practice to rack that slide. But you know, if the gun's an inanimate object and it's locked away securely, it's not going to hurt anybody while it's securely stored inside that storage device. So why not have it ready to rock and roll? You know, just grab and use the thing. And then inside that, in all of my safes, in all of my handgun vaults, everything, there's not just gun, a gun or guns. Uh, there's not just guns and ammo. There, it's a staged gun ready for use, along with a flashlight at a very minimum that's handheld. In many cases, that staged gun will have a weapon-mounted light. In some cases, it'll have things staged with a holster ready to go, so that that can be thrown on quickly. Uh, you know. In, in the event I need to jump up and I don't want to have the gun in my hand, but I can still jump up. And to be honest with you, I stage with a brave, brave response holster because regardless of how I'm dressed, I can jump up, quickly wrap that around me, Velcro it, you know, uh, sh shut and have the gun already. You know, you can actually store the gun in your quick access safe or vault with the gun in that holster and the holster is flexible enough. You can just kind of fold it up or roll it over, you know, kind of, I just take the straps or roll them or, or wrap them around it and stick it in there. And all you got to do is grab, pull it out and away you go. So, uh, that's the first thing. Be armed. Now I'm going to go ahead and, uh, t take a question here. This is a, this is, this is worthwhile here from John. John asks, when you did videos with AR, did you show that the guns were safe? I didn't see it, but maybe I missed it. So I'm assuming, John, that you've, you've seen some of the, obviously the, some of the teaser videos, some of the previewed videos. And, and so a lot of those, you don't see that. Now, what we disclaimed at uh, the, the first point that you basically see us talk about or use ARs is that we explained that everything that we did in the filming of the complete home defense course that we, we made sure everything was safe. Okay. Uh, so, you know, in some cases that meant bolts were removed, uh, from ARs for instance, uh, or we used the air, the next level training AR bolt uh, a couple of times. So that obviously completely replaces the bolt in the gun. And, and so that's, you know, totally safe. So, uh, in some cases we removed firing pins, uh, whatever. So Jacob and myself, we are certified armorers, uh, on, on several platforms uh, and so we went through before we be, did any filming whatsoever and did what we had to do to make things impossible to 
chamber around and or fire it and hurt somebody in the course of filming the course. So yeah, absolutely, sir. Uh, yeah, you know, like it's one of those things too. Where well, could we have filmed some of what we were doing with a fake gun, you know, a plastic gun or something like that? Yeah, probably. But we we wanted it to be as realistic as possible, and we wanted to have the very same guns and or weapons that we would use personally. Uh, it, the 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 ARs that you see in that course, those are my home defense ARs. I have a full length carbine and I have an AR pistol. Like those are literally staged here in my home today, ready for use uh, if I needed to needed to grab them. Right. So in the case, uh, we used a lot of a Glock 19 pistol with a cool fire trainer mounted in it. And that is something that completely replaces the barrel with a little air tank and uh, what, and, and you can actually attach a laser module to it. So you can use it for laser dry fire practice, but we just, we didn't use a laser. We just replaced the barrel piece and then you charge that with compressed air. And then we actually could get real realistic uh, trigger presses, gun cycling, recoil, all of that. And so for a lot of the different scenarios that we filmed, uh, we used that Glock 19 with the cool fire trainer, which uh, was another way of making that thing completely safe. And so everything was was made safe, checked, double checked, triple checked, uh, so we wouldn't have any issues. Uh, there, there is a part or a couple parts maybe where we talk about or show or uh, teach about uh, different ammunition. And in those cases, the ammunition was brought out, was to, was talked about, and then it was stored away uh, where it wasn't even involved in, in the rest of what we did while we filmed uh, over the course of the three days that we were filming. So anyway, good, good question, John. I'm glad you asked that. It is good to... Uh, to make sure people know that. And I, I, I do remember uh, disclaiming that at some point in the course and perhaps we'll put something on the screen as well. Uh, evade is number two. So back to the fundamentals of home defense. So first was be armed. So have a gun on you or near enough to you. You can grab it. And I mean, now I don't mean that the gun is staged three bedrooms away or upstairs in a different part of the house. I mean, near like in the same room as you. That's what I mean about having a gun with you because how many times have we shared stories in the podcast where a break-in occurs, an assault occurs, and we read again and again and again, the person had to go grab the gun. I don't know how long that takes, you know, when we read that kind of thing. In some cases, I'm sure it was very fast. In other cases, I'm I'm confident it took 30 seconds, maybe a minute. You know, so meanwhile, your loved one is getting pounded on or stabbed or assaulted in some other way and you're fumbling to gra grab a gun and maybe you don't even have it loaded, right? Like, so have things staged and have it on your person or in the same room as you. All right. So number two is evade. So where possible, we want to try to evade the situation, evade the person. And so I realized that yes, based on the laws based on the fact that this is my home, my property, my family, you may very well be justified to use deadly force in, in a certain situation. But does that mean you should or that you have to use deadly force? It does not necessarily. Now, some of this may play into your own moral uh, beliefs, uh, religious beliefs, whatever that may be. But uh, I think from a logical perspective, makes a lot of sense that where where possible we try to evade the situation right 
Now, what that does is that leads us to the next fundamental of home defense, which is barricade. So the idea would be, where possible, we still... I think it's 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 wise, it's prudent, it's good practice. It lessens the liability from both criminal and civil standpoints. Yes, you are generally well protected uh, as it, as as it relates to the law um as far as what you can do or what you're justified to do as far as far as force in a variety of home invasion type scenarios. But you're still always better off to to not have to pull the trigger, right? So where possible, we want to evade, but that's not always possible, right? That's why I said that not all these things have to be done or have to be done in this order. Some things are going to happen very quickly. And so you don't even have a chance or an opportunity to try to evade or even consider it. You go right to having to draw, maybe use the gun, use use deadly force. But if given the opportunity, uh, meaning that let's just suppose that uh, – you are awakened in the night and you hear someone in the home and you're confident that that someone has broken into the home. Well, should we go searching for that intrusion? Probably not. If, if Especially if we have a reasonable suspicion that somebody has in fact broken into the home and they are in the home. Why go looking for that? That that's the opposite of evading. So, uh, in the case that you're already in your bedroom, we'll stay in the bedroom, barricade the the room, barricade the door, whatever it is. And in the course, we talk a lot about. Uh, there's a couple of good sections about, uh, you know, what makes a good safe room. Uh, what are some of the uh, things that you know, as far as hardware or equipment that you might want to have or buy or install in your home to you know, for instance, like, let's just talk real quick about safe rooms. Most residential bedrooms, bedroom doors are very weak. Most of them these days are hollow core. Most do not really have a true lock. They have a, what we call a, a, a privacy lock. And it's, so it's not a lock for security. It's a lock for privacy, right? That's all it is. It's stand, you know, either that push button or the thing that you turn. And usually you can unlock it from outside with a, with a pin or a, or, or just turning, you know, some little thing with like a coin or a screwdriver, right? So that is not a lock that's appropriate for a safe room. So you might consider uh, if you take these sorts of things seriously and you want to create a, a true safe room, obviously you could go way above and beyond with it. You could do, you you could do a lot of things. You know, you could install bullet resistant doors and bullet resistant, uh, uh, material, uh, underneath the drywall. Uh, there, there's all kinds of things you could do to like actually create like this, this safe room, uh, a panic room of sorts, but we're just talking, let's be real simple and practical here. Replace your standard hollow core door with a solid wood door. Uh, add a deadbolt, a true deadbolt to your bedroom door. Okay. And there's other devices and things, there's things you could do to reinforce the hinges, the strike plates. Uh, you could add multiple locks. You could add uh, bars. You could add, uh, I don't care what they're called, but that thing that you'd jam underneath the doorknob and it would, you know, kind of lock in place on the floor. You know, there's all kinds of things you could do that would allow you to barricade yourself in that room. 
And then you should think about room layout and where you would place furniture or bedding or whatever that you would have a good position you could take up. And if you can afford to have some sort of cover, like something that would actually be cover, which is rare to find in a lot of homes these days, uh, that would be ideal. But at the very least, you want to take up a position of advantage where if someone's able to gain access to that room, they're going to be funneled through the doorway. So a fatal funnel and you have a nice tactical advantage where they're not going to immediately see you and you can drop them, you know, if need be, meaning stop the threat, shoot the threat, right? So anyway, be armed, number one, evade where possible, number two, number three, barricade, okay? And in that barricade room or barricade area, uh, you should have access, of course, to a weapon, but you should also have access to medical equipment, Okay, that'd be a good idea to have just like a, uh, even if it's a, even if it's a IFAC, a simple individual first aid kit, at the very least with a tourniquet. Uh, a tourniquet would be that would be like bare minimum. Got to have a tourniquet. Okay, even though you may get through this home invasion scenario or situation, um, you know where you survive it and you deal with the threat, right? And so you're the one that's still standing you could still be wounded and frequently it does happen. It's a substantial number of uh, justified save stories that we have shared. Uh, Sometime we'll dig a little deeper on this and give you some really interesting statistics on all the different justified save stories we've shared through the years. Uh, Because I've been working on some research with this and it's really, really interesting. But in a substantial of of, uh, situations where people have to use deadly force, including at home, People, they, they get hurt, okay? And those might be minor wounds. They might be serious wounds. We don't always know. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we keep, we've been keeping track of that as a, as a statistic of sort. And it, it's, I can't remember, it's 20, I think it's 20-something percent of the time uh, the good person in a justified save situation or someone that's, that, that, that you know, a, a good guy gets hurt, Okay, so that's a substantial, you know, one in three, one in four times uh, you don't come out of that totally unscathed. So have some medical kit uh, also in your barricade area or safe room and then also have a means of communication. So uh, have, have a cell phone at hand at near, you know, nearby. We also talk in the course about having a cell phone dedicated for emergency use because what you may not know, many people probably don't realize this, is you can take basically any old cell phone, even if it's off contract and it's not serviced anymore, it's not connected to service. Uh, if, a, if the cell phone will turn on, it, it can still call emergency numbers. It's, it can still call 911. So there, it's really actually not a bad idea at all to have in, in a couple of places of the home, and especially in places that might be designated as safe areas or barricade areas, to have a staged emergency phone that can be used to call 911. So have, have a means of defense, have medical, have communications, and this is in a place that hopefully you're able to close off and secure so that you buy yourself time and you give yourself the best chance to, number one, don't get hurt yourself and or your family, and number two, avoid having to have a conflict with with this bad guy. All right? Okay, so that's that's uh, one, two, and three. Now, number four. Number four is what we refer to as contact. And I, I intentionally use that word, contact, because in it, it, it's a double entendre. It has two meanings, Okay. First and foremost, I just talked to you about having communications in the safe room or barricade area. 
so once you have, let's just assume this is an ideal home invasion scenario where you've had the opportunity to, like you were armed, uh, you were able to evade, okay, and or, you know, you'll know I've been careful not to say the word retreat because I know that would get people all worked up, but that's kind of what we're doing, right? Not that we have to, but if you have the option, it's probably better to at least attempt that. Uh, okay, so evade. That's going to get you hopefully back to a barricade area or safe room. And then at that point, if you have the, you know, as, as soon as you are able and or a spouse or partner or someone else in the home, a phone call should be placed to emergency services, right? So that's the first form of contact that must take place. And then also with this number four, the word contact, we're also recognizing the fact that we've taken these steps of arming ourselves, evading and barricading. Now, if that, if that home intruder continues to, to try to get to you or to do things to you, then you may be forced to contact him. And by contact, we mean, uh, where you engage with the threat. Now there may be times where it's appropriate to call out with commands uh, to tell them to leave, to tell them to, to, you know, get out of here, to drop their weapons, to show their hands or whatever it is. Uh, but if, if it's escalating very quickly, you might just go right to using deadly force, right? It's whatever is appropriate for the situation and that you are okay with doing. Um, so contact is, is two things. It's two parts. It's number one, as soon as it's a reminder that as soon as we are able to call calls need to be placed to 911. And number two, it's if and when it becomes necessary to contact the threat, to deal with the threat, then, well, that's what we do. So that's number four. Now, number five is what we call respond. So, and this is in, this is also a, a two meaning uh, word. It is number one, respond now to the aftermath. So you just had to contact the threat. You just had to deal the with the threat and now we don't want to be approaching that threat. We don't want to be trying to minister aid to them typically. Okay. Um, you are concerned about you and your loved ones. So now at this point, it'd be a good time to, am I okay? Am I still whole? Am I in one piece? Am I bleeding anywhere? Is How is my family? Okay. And so respond. We will respond if necessary. If we now discover that someone's bleeding, someone's hurt, we have that med kit available. We can grab things and start administering aid. Okay. Meanwhile, we're still we're also making sure that we don't lose contact with the bad guy. That yes, they you may have shot them multiple times. They may be, they may maybe on the ground, not moving. You might be thinking that they're probably no longer a threat, but you don't ever get into a position where you forget about them or you take your eyes off them unnecessarily. But as soon as possible, we want to respond to the aftermath by number one, evaluating myself and the family, and make sure that everybody's okay, and that if there's aid that must be rendered, we start rendering that aid. Uh, and then the second piece of respond is now we also are going to have the opportunity to respond to law enforcement and first responders. So we want to know how to handle uh, that. Uh, so, you know, watch the course. We get into that in, in quite a bit more detail, uh, but, you know, certain things and tactics and, and, and things to keep in mind to um, make that initial contact with first responders, especially law enforcement, a positive one where we're not being misidentified as a threat to them. And, uh, 
So there's a, lot, there's a lot of things we go into with the course there. So if I was to review these five fundamentals of home defense, number one, be armed. Number two, evade. Number three, barricade. Four, contact, whether it's contact 911 and or having to contact the threat. And five, respond. Responding to aftermath and responding to first responders. All right. How's that? Does that all sound good, folks? I know we still have quite a few of you here on the, on the Facebook live feed. So I'm going to make a, a, a last call now at this point. Uh, if there are any additional questions, this would be a good chance to to get them out to me because uh, if I feel like, you know, I've, I've already fed you enough info and, you, and you're all just sitting there like, oh, wow, taking it all in, uh, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you on Monday evening. But uh, if you have any more, any more questions, this would be a good time to ask. So, um, in fact, I'm just going to scroll back through here and see if there's anything that I missed from you guys. Oh, I do see that, Tom, you came back with Horny Critical Defense in 410. Yeah, I know they make that load. I, I, I just still don't like the concept of a handgun or a Derringer with 410 loads. I just, like, no. I just, No. <laughs> Tom, you were talking about your mini 14. That's much better. Okay. Um, and I'd, I'd much rather just have a, a nine millimeter semi-automatic with 10 or 15 or 17 rounds than, uh, a Derringer or even a judge. Yeah. Don't even ask me about that. Okay. You can ask me about Taurus judge or the, uh, Smith and Wesson governor, uh, which are both, uh, examples of 410 shot shell revolvers that also shoot 45 long Colt. And in the case of the Smith and Wesson governor it also shoots 45 ACP with moon clips. Um, they're fine revolvers if you shoot them with 45s, but I just, I'm not keen on the 410 shot shell thing. I'm just not sorry. Uh, okay. What else? Uh, let's see. Going back through here. <laughs> we talked about hollow points and, and definitely in the case of, uh, pistol ammunition, make sure those are hollow points. Um, uh, one thing, by the way, I'll just give you guys a little tease to one thing that was really surprising to us here when we were doing the testing of penetration through drywall, through walls, uh, the other day. And we, we, one load I was really curious to test was uh, these uh, rounds. Uh, they're called Inceptor. Uh, Inceptor makes this thing called the ARX round, which is a lightweight. It's like six, 65 grains. Um, it's, it's a polymer copper blend bullet. It's like a bunch of like ground up particles of copper and like some sort of polymer. And it's all glued together and formed into a projectile and then loaded. And in the case of the ARX round, they they cut little uh, flutes or channels in the tip, kind of the, the front part of the bullet. The idea being that when that impacts a body, uh, number one, the bullet's going very fast. Number two, it's rotating very quickly from the rifling imparted on it from, from, the, from the gun. And so then three, it impacts and creates a lot of uh, temporary wounding channels now, I've been doing some research on this recently, and I'm I'm starting to become a little more convinced that handguns in general, even when we think they're creating these massive temporary wounding uh, cavities, they're re- they really aren't that big uh, compared to like shooting a rifle, right? Even a tw- 223 is massively more, uh, like creates 
huge temporary wounding channel. So in temporary, by the way, we're talking about where a projectile impacts soft tissue, a body. And because it's, you know, there's all this energy going so fast that, you know, and, and most of what's in the body is fluid. And so because of fluid dynamics, like it, just imagine when you throw a rock at a, at a, at a pond, you know, into the water, what is, what do, what do you see? What does it do? You, well, number one, you see the hole that the rock itself actually makes into the water. And then that hole kind of opens this, this temporary, you know, depression in the water. Right. And that's where we get our waves from after the fact. So we throw the rock into the water, it goes boosh like this. So it pushes, pushes this kind of out of the way. And, uh, because water doesn't compress, you know, fluids don't compress very well. Unlike air, air compresses amazingly well, right? So, so bullets traveling through the air, yes, they, they create a little wake. Uh, they're, they're pushing air out of the way, but when we, when a bullet hits a body, suddenly all this flesh and fluid has to get out of the way very quickly. And it's, it's very, it's not very good at doing that. So we get this temporary cavitation, right? Opens this up and then it closes in on itself. And if we can create enough, you know, a big enough temporary cavity, uh, then it can lead to tearing flesh and muscles and tissues and organs and stuff, right? I know it's kind of gruesome to think about, but that's that's the reality of it. So there's uh, some research, and, and sometime maybe we'll talk about this in greater detail, and I could share some links and whatnot of some of the things I've been reading that would indicate that handgun ammunition, even with something with like a 357 Magnum, is just not fast enough and big enough and powerful enough to create big enough temporary winning cavities to really do the kind of tearing and ripping and stuff that uh, that we'd like to think is occurring. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, in the case of uh, handgun ammunition, though, make sure it's jacketed hollow point. Uh, that's that's gonna you know get that's gonna perform the best for you. All right, so I'm just looking back at some more comments here. Um, yep, and uh, looks like Jacob or somebody dropped in here another link for those on Facebook uh, for purchasing the complete home defense course. So yeah, go do that. And once again, I, that's a funky looking link, but you can also just go right to uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. So. Um, let's see. Charlie says the guardian member price makes purchase a complete no brainer. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you're taking advantage of that, Charlie. Uh, I hope you really enjoy. Uh, Max says only one I disagree with is the 4570 handgun. You've got a big problem with wounding. I agree. <laughs> yeah, but who's really carrying a 4570 handgun? Uh, and most of those are single shots anyway. Yeah. Hey, a 4570 is a big ground it's uh gonna, gonna it's gonna do a lot of damage of course but uh you know like not only that but if, if you actually had a 4570 handgun you, you wouldn't be able to shoot that very well ellen asks will this podcast be recorded and available to review yes uh the audio version of this it will be live on our podcast feed here in just a few hours so Yep, you can absolutely go back and re-listen to. I don't know if we'll be publishing the recorded. Well, you'll be able to go back to Facebook and watch this video anytime, Ellen, and anybody else. So <clears throat> go to our Facebook page, look for episode 272 in the videos, and um, that's where you'll find it. So you can watch it on Facebook again after the fact. It'll stay there. I don't think we'll take it down or anything like that. And then, Or you can uh, download the audio version 
with whatever podcast uh, app you you prefer. Uh, I just use the standard built in. If I if you're an iPhone user, I use uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, yeah. So just you know, you'll you'll see that this will go live here in a couple hours. Here's here here's our concealed carry podcast. Okay, so it'll be in there. Just uh, go and download and and re listen. Um, or if you're on uh, Android devices, Google Play has the podcast. We recently submitted and got approved and got on to Spotify. So if you're a Spotify user, you'll find the podcast in Spotify as well. And uh, just about anywhere else you might listen to podcasts or radio shows via mobile devices, uh, tune in stitcher and so forth. You'll find the podcast and all, I mean, we, we try to be on top of this and anywhere that we hear about that you can submit and have a podcast feed. Uh, we put it out there everywhere that we can. Uh, one more time, Ellen is asking about what's the RSVP, the registration uh, link for the uh, live webinar that we're going to be doing with Andrew Branca on Monday evening, November 12th at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, which would be a great opportunity to learn further about home defense, especially as it relates to highly defensible property and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And the link for that one more time. So here's here's here it is one last time. H, it's concealedcarry.com forward slash HD legal webinar. And you can get signed up. And so once again, that that will fill up. The seats will be gone. So jump on that as soon as you hear about this and uh, get signed up for that webinar with us on Monday evening. That's just, that's just this coming Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So if you're on the East Coast, that'll be 8 p.m. On the West Coast, it'll be 5 p.m. By the way, those uh, just kind of a, I want to just say uh, thoughts and prayers. And yes, I believe in the power of prayer and, and uh, happy thoughts. And uh, thoughts and prayers to those in Ventura, California, in that area, um, where the, there's some pretty bad fires going on. And uh, just, I, I didn't even hear about this until like in the last uh, 24 hours. And so I don't know if those just all of a sudden developed that quickly, but uh, it could be really bad for, and there's, I know there's already been properties that have been burned and they just reported, reported today a couple of people uh, that they were, that they found dead in a vehicle uh, that obviously failed to escape uh, from the flames. So sorry about that. And uh, also thoughts and prayers to those affected by the uh, mass shooting that occurred also pretty close to that area uh, just a couple, you know, just two days ago now, really like a day and a half ago. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a sad deal as well. Uh, let's see here. Max is asking, so I'm new here. So which would you personally use for home defense in regards to a home defense shotgun or a handgun? Maybe a cheesy question, but what what do you find more useful? And so, Max, we actually kind of talked about that towards the beginning part of this episode, uh, but I'll just kind of recap that really quickly. And so, really, what it comes down to, I, I do think that handguns are, um, I think handguns are more useful, to be honest. Uh, but shotguns are obviously more effective. You know, provided the shotgun makes sense to use, well, obviously, it's going to be more effective. Uh, but the handgun is more versatile and I think more useful. So I have home defense shotguns, but I don't really keep them necessarily staged with the intent that like, that's the first thing I'm going for, uh, in the event that I have a home defense situation to handle. Uh, I've got at all times a handgun at my fingertips and I'm very comfortable using a handgun. So that's, that's my number one tool. And if the handgun buys me some time, allows me to 
fight my way, so to speak, to a bigger gun or a long gun of some sort, I'm going to go actually first to to an AR because that's also, I think, just a little bit more useful for me. And I'm just more comfortable uh, using an AR uh, than I would be a shotgun. But anyway, so hopefully that's helpful. All right, folks, uh, we're going to we're going to basically wrap it up now at this point. One last call. Guys, uh, make sure you get registered for the uh, Highly Defensible Property webinar with Andrew Branca, Monday evening, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, <clears throat> I already gave you the links. Those will be in the show notes. Also, you've heard a lot. Of, we've kind of teased a lot about this uh, Complete Home Defense course. It is live now, available for purchase. DVDs will ship in a few weeks. The streaming online version of the course will be available here within a f- within days, certainly within a week. And uh, we're, we're working tirelessly behind the clock to get all of that finalized, put together. We knew this was going to be a big ask. We just filmed all this less than a month ago. So we had to really work hard and work fast. This this is a huge undertaking. The last time we did something like this, it took months <laughs> to edit everything. So our poor video guy, Corey, behind the scenes has just been killing it, uh, trying to get this all thrown together really fast. So we're super excited about it. I'm very happy with what I'm reviewing and what I'm seeing uh, as we are going through the final phases of, of post-production and it'll all be available. So if you purchase right now, the reason you're going to want to purchase right now is to take advantage of all of the big time free bonuses. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of bonuses. Jacob talked about those earlier as far as, uh, you know, one-time, one-time deals that will be available to you. Uh, and, and actually I think one of the, one of the things I'm most excited about, by the way, he kind of touched on it, but I'll spend a little bit more time talking about it right now. And that is that we will have two different scheduled and actually got to go, I got to go to, uh, figure out when those are going to be right, right now when I'm done recording this with you guys, uh, because we need to get those on the calendar. But, um, we're going to do two different times. We'll have one that will probably be kind of during the daytime, like the afternoon hours, and then we'll have another one that will be in the evening. Two different times that will be an opportunity for early purchasers. So for those that purchase the complete home defense course between now and the end of the day on November 14th, that's when the uh, that's when the sale you know basically ends. Now, the home defense course will be available to purchase after the fact. You just won't get all the all the cool bonuses. And so one of the bonuses I'm most excited about is this opportunity for, for you folks to participate in a special, basically a, a, a conference call. I'm going to call it a conference call. It'll, it'll be similar to when we do our, our zoom meetings for uh, guardian nation live broadcast and things like that. It'll, it'll be a, a webinar type thing, but it'll be even more interactive. Like this will be a your opportunity to we'll we'll talk with you more directly, more personally about your own personal home defense plans. And if you have any specific questions related to your homes and things like that, we'll we'll be told that that'll be your time where we'll be willing to sit down with you and just really go. Uh, it won't be you each of you one on one with us. It'll be you know there'll be a bunch of you all there together. But it'll be a really educational opportunity for us all to come together in a conference call of sorts and talk about your personal uh, living situations and home defense plans. It'll be really, really cool. And I'm super excited about that aspect. So that is a free bonus for purchasing the the complete home defense course uh, during the special launch time period, uh, which ends the end of the day of November 14th. So that's coming up very quickly. That's uh, like next, next Wednesday, I believe. So from now till then, 
go buy a complete home defense. And besides all the other cool bonuses, the big one will be having a, a very personalized uh, conference call with Jacob and myself about uh, your personal home defense needs and plans. It'll be really, really, really good stuff. So one more time, the complete home defense course, go check it out, concealedcarry.com forward slash home defense. Well, that is going to wrap it up. And so thanks everyone for being a part of this on the uh, live Facebook feed. Uh, For those of you that missed it, uh, if you'd like to go watch the video version of this podcast, you can head on over to Facebook. Just go to our page, Concealed Carry. If you go to facebook.com forward slash Concealed Carry Inc., that'll take you straight to our page and then look under videos and find episode 272. Speaking of episode 272, the show notes and everything can be very quickly accessed. Just go to concealedcarry.com. Now, this will be when this podcast is actually published. Uh, so by the time that you're listening to the audio feed of this, this this link will be live. But the show notes and everything will be available very easily at concealedcarry.com forward slash episode 272. Thanks again, everyone. We appreciate you. And a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Have a wonderful and safe weekend. that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.